I'm Harry Marshall. Yeah. I'm a busker from Australia, central Queensland. I'm from the desert. Not so much the desert, but more of drought-stricken wasteland. This is the Good Bad Mad podcast. I'm your host, Meg Ellis, and I sit down with some of your favourite creatives to talk about the creative life. We talk film, theatre, literature, fashion and more. We explore what goes into building a creative career. This episode, we chat with singer-songwriter Harry Marshall. His latest EP, Falling Into That Life, is out now. And between his band shows around London's venues, you can catch him busking in Piccadilly Circus, just as I did one day in December. I've been writing music and playing and singing since I was about 11 years old. I've been gigging in pubs since I was 14. So I had to have to sign a waiver. And my, well, my parents and me would sign a waiver so I could be allowed in licensed venues after. Would they sneak you a bit? My brothers would try, but all the, all the, all the managers were pretty clocked on to it because I did love a drink when I was like 16. I was like, oh, can I have a run? <laughs> they were pretty clocked on. I got kicked out a couple of times. My dad played guitar and sang a little bit, not very well. Yeah. Um, but he never taught me or never pushed me. He was like, yeah, he never did much. He could never remember a full song. We, they used to call him half a song Benny. And like at parties, they'd be like, where's, where's Benny? We want to hear half a brown-eyed girl. <laughs> you know? But he never pushed me into it. My mum actually did because um, I was, when I was like nine, I could always remember all of the lyrics on the radio. Every song would come on, I just remembered all the lyrics. So my mum was like, oh, you might have a knack for this. So she put me in singing lessons. I think I've always taken it seriously. Yeah. I think since I was like 13, I've been like, this one goal kind of thing. That's um, young, that's early. I, yeah, and I, I think I released my first single. I recorded my first single at like 17, and then I released it at 17, 18. I think. What was that? What was your first song? Epilogue. It's called. And what was that about? Oh, heartbreak at 17, you know, when it feels the worst, yeah. you know, when it's the hardest, you know. Always a little nerve wracking putting music out because you're like giving a part of yourself without saying too wishy-washy like you're kind of inviting everyone to have a deeper look into something that you've it's an incredibly personal thing yeah and then giving it to the world is like can be a bit daunting I guess Mm -hmm. I know a lot of musicians that take a long time to release their first single because of that because they're a bit like yeah nervous about putting themselves out there Mm -hmm. yeah so but I've never been too nervous about that I've always been like let's go come on (laughs) just do it yeah exactly I moved to Paris, originally mm-hmm. at 2016, when I first finished school. And I lived there for a year as a creative. Mm-hmm. Not doing much. I was more mainly just writing and drinking too much red wine. That's what you do in Paris. <laughs> telling, everyone <laughs> you just a, telling everyone I was a musician and not musicianing. But you was going to be a busker. Yeah. I was uh, planning to get a cafe job or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then I got here and a friend of mine from Australia was a busker. And he was like, yeah, you should try it. I make good money. And so then I did it and ended up being pretty decent at it. And Where was I, your first show? Do you remember? Trafalgar Square. Okay. On the like? 25th of June, 25th of June, 2017. It's my Your first show. Yeah. What was that like, first time standing in front of people who were walking by non-interested? Oh, I was shit. I was so bad. Yeah? I was, it was a terrible show, but it was good. I, I, yeah, it was, it was fun. I, it was pretty nerve-wracking. I'd done a bit of like acoustic busking in Brisbane before, mm-hmm. but never like with a speaker 
Yeah. On the world stage. What was your go-to song back then? Budapest, I think. Classic. Yeah, I think I played Budapest and something else. I don't know. <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of songs. It wasn't a show. It was just me kind of going, oh, what should I play now? You know. But clearly, you caught a bug for it. I like performing. Perform yeah. Like performance is my shtick. Like yeah. that's whether it's like on the street or doing a pub gig or my own gig with my band, which I also love. Um, it's like the connection and like the the rush and like the the chase of like winning them over. Yeah. That's addictive. It's like, all right, I've yeah. got you now, you know? Like I've got them now and that's the fun part. You won them pretty over today, like quite early on in your set. That was, yeah, that was a good show. That was yeah. a fun show. Everyone was there and I could see people like connecting and, yeah. and like making a memory. That's the beautiful part about busking is like, yeah. and I get so many messages like that. Like I remember in 2018, I was in London with my family and you know, we saw you busking and it was one of the best parts of the trip. And so like that to me is, and when you, and you can see the moment on the, on an audience member's face when they're like snapshotting it. Yeah. And that's the mo one of the most beautiful things. That's the high. Yeah. It's like, fuck yeah. Since 2018, we've been gigging, doing the circuit and stuff like that. And, you know, and that's recording. where you kind of play your originals. Yeah. That's yeah. because it's like, I like playing, I want people to hear it the way that it's like, meant to be heard mm -hmm. the way that it was recorded so I don't like I, I, I don't often love doing acoustic sets of my own music mm -hmm. I really want to be with the band and playing it the way that it's it was intended to be heard sort of thing. So tell me about your own music um it's not shit <laughs> it's not uh, you can decide if it's good but it's definitely not shit um no it's I like it's very different to like busting shit mm -hmm. I find that there's like because on the street show, you've got to have a character. I think it's one thing that I learned the most about the circus acts. Yeah. The ones that do the juggling or the magicians or like the wheel, the big steel wheel. Mm -hmm. It's like the way that they've crafted the show is they've made a character and mm -hmm. they've identified what that character wants to say and do. Yeah. And it's the same thing with any sort of music and any sort of, like if you're right, if you're an artist and stuff, you want to, you've got to figure out what you want to say. And so like, yeah. So the busking show has got, I've got this kind of like, happy-go-lucky Australian character that's like yeah. funny and cracks jokes. But then when we play with the band, it's kind of more of a rock star, rock and roll, drinking wine on stage. What does know. that look like? It's like me flouncing around on stage. You know, it's a lot of hair whipping. Lots of hair whipping. Yeah. I think that like, oh, well, then it's all fake if there's a character and stuff. But it's not. It's a true representation of what you want to give out because you've you've figured it out. You've yeah. figured, like, we've, like, you've figured out who you want to show the people, but it's a different element. It's exactly, it's a different side of it because yeah. it's definitely a part of me that part. But then it's also like then I like doing the the music that gets moody and stuff. That's where the kind of more different, darker kind of mm. thing comes out. It's all different parts of your creative self. Just released an EP. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that song. Um, it was fun. I recorded in LA, which was great. It was my first trip to write like and record out in LA. That's very cool. It's very cool. I mean, I fucking hate LA, but like, it's a bucket list thing. You've got to do it as an artist. Like what studios were you in? I was in 4th Street Records, mm -hmm. um, and then I was in the Church Studios and yeah. Hound Studios. I think it's called Hound Studios. Uh, the drummer the yeah. drummer of Guns N' Roses owns that one. And that was out in Palm Springs in Church. 
did you just want to work with certain people out there? Uh, we just worked with one producer. I wrote the record with him and then we recorded it all together. Yeah. And I flew my band out as well, so they got to come out and yeah. play on the tracks, which was very special for me. Because cool. they're like my family kind of thing. I bet. Mm. But it's great. It's a cool story. The, the EP is like this story of like this character called Has created. And that's the title. That's the first track. Mm-hmm. And it's about him going to the city to be a musician mm-hmm. and then falling into the dark abyss that London can be and substances and infatuation and sex and stuff. Like, yeah. There's a lot of themes there that are very kind of universal to the life of a musician. It's definitely not autobiographical though. <laughs> um, oh, I don't like releasing music that much. Mm-hmm. It's never making the music is the best part because it's infinite infinite potential yeah there's nothing it hasn't disappointed you yet mm-hmm. it's like your parents <laughs> when you're a kid and you realize they're human beings and they're just going through life no um i re- yeah releasing music is quite difficult for me i find it i don't i love that the fans like it yeah like that's what i love but the industry is riddled with corruption and nepotism and favoritism and mm-hmm. yeah it's it's quite a difficult one and now it's changed and now like your career is relying on an algorithm on TikTok yeah and it's like your whole career is relying on whether or not that one video just does well and there's no formula everyone says oh you can follow this formula there's no there's yeah. it's a random choice that the algorithm makes that pushes one video and makes it go viral. And so like it's releasing it is disheartening. Releasing music can be disheartening, but then I think at the end of the day, you sort of struggled and put blood, sweat and tears into art and that's worth celebrating. To industry stuff, um, my manager says this, so racehorses um, have to wear these things called blinders because if they look at the horse next to them, then they'll trip and fall and mm-hmm. usually die. And so, my manager says, you just got to put your blinders on. And you just don't look at anyone else and what anyone else is doing. And you just focus on your direction and where you've got to go. You've got yeah. to keep, you just keep pushing. And a lot of it, it's almost like insanity. I think there's a line in my next single called, it takes a, it's like, it takes a madman with hard hands to walk into insanity and plan. And so. Say that again. It, it takes a, a madman mad with hard hands to walk into insanity and plan. And so it's like, you've just got to like, be insane and keep going through like because it's it's daft trying to make a career out of music like we'll try to have a very very successful career out of music it's it's insane having the the odds and so it's like just got to continue being a madman realization i've had in this industry is no matter how much you try everything is done last minute nothing you you can strategically plan all you want but nothing Mm -hmm. goes to plan What's that saying? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a sh- it's shambles. Recently that I've been writing about, like, with flow and stuff, it can become a bit diluted because, diluted because you're like, you've got all these ideas in your head and it's all just spewing out. And like, sometimes the core of, the core thing that you want to capture of the song doesn't come across. And so like now I kind of start writing and figure out what the, You've got to I figure out beforehand what the song's about and then try and zone in on that. Like, mm-hmm. if I want a song to, you know, if it's a sad song, you've got to make that song 
want to make you cry. Like you've got to find that emotion and right. that, that topic and just drill that home. So it's an emotion, that's what yeah. you start with. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Definitely. So has, what was the emotion? Oh no, that was just a little instrumental track. <laughs> that was just like, I was just like to my producer, I was like, hey, can you I can make a little segue for the live show? But then I was like, it fits. And so I was like, it fits the whole, so I put that in there. But then all the other songs, like, yeah, they kind of have emotions too. Yeah. Yeah. And do you sit in one emotion? Do you try and do a journey? Like, does it, is that planned or is it just like, that's what I'm doing? You know, weirdly, I was talking to a friend about this recently. Um, when you write each song, you try and do that, like you try and just capture that one emotion. And then when you get to like, you're like putting the record together with this group of songs. Yeah. It's weird, but subconsciously you write an out, like if you write an album or an EP, subconsciously, at the time I had no idea that I was trying to make those songs work. And yeah. they flow a story flow. It was just like capturing that one thing that I was trying to do then. But then you look at them and you go and you place them and you're like, holy fuck, this actually like all works. Like, oh, you know, it's really weird because I was like, I had no idea that that was happening when it was yeah. happening, but then it did. And I was like, fuck me, like, that's crazy. Like, like you know, it's subconscious. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like the subconscious are like, makes you make a record, even if you're writing singular songs, you know? So that's cool. I find that's really weird, bizarre. It's one of those little things. And most artists will tell you the same. Yeah. And ordering them is like, that's the, that's the beauty of it. You then get to craft a story by ordering the songs. Yeah. You know, and the, and the emotional state that you're putting the listener in because you like start off strong and then you pull them down and then you yeah. like finish them up on a high and stuff. So yeah, it's weird. You said you had a manager. When did that relationship start? Um, so it's funny actually. So he runs a management company based out of Brooklyn. And so he was with, with the pram with his two girls walking through and happened to stop in Trafalgar Square and we got chatting and then I played my songs and then he got my email and was like, send me your demos. I think you, I really like your show. I was like, ah, oh, this sharp talking American, fuck off. And um, kept badgering me and I was like, ah, shut up. I'm not feeding in because you get so many people tell you, I'm going to make you a star, kid. And you're like, oh, God. like well, by the end of it, you're like, I'm sick of this. I, yeah. And so then he was like, and then randomly he was like, what are you, are you free next weekend? I'm flying you out to New York. And I was like, shit. So he flew me out. And um, I think we first meeting him again. It was like a dinner, this fancy hotel, rooftop bar. And I was like, this guy's going to wine and dine you and try and and then, then you're gonna sign your life away so keep you, it's about you. And then I walked out and it's like completely overlooking the Manhattan skyline. And I was like, oh, you can take me for everything I've got. <laughs> I was like, damn, he's got me. Um, but yeah, no, um, but we've been working together ever since. That was 2018, I think. No, 20, yeah, that was 2018, middle of 2018. And I signed, I said, oh, it's, so he runs a record label as well. And I said, I was gonna sign before I, my one of my goals was like oh, I'm going to sign my first record deal before I'm 21, Hi. and then I played my first headline show that sold out in London on the 18th. My birthday's on the 19th of December, and then I finished the show, and then we went backstage, and I signed my first record deal with like 10 minutes to spare before midnight on my 21st birthday, because I said I was going to sign before my 21st. Yeah, so I was like, that's crazy. 
And that's when I signed to him. So it's December the 9th, December the 18th, 2018, I think. So getting to that point, that's like a big goal for a lot of like upcoming creators, get the manager, get the agent, and uh, have it change things. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't, but it doesn't change things. It doesn't, you don't sign and then like, oh, I've made it. Like, Despite the New York skyline. Yeah, exactly. Despite the skyline, this is a beautiful skyline. Though. Fuck. Um, no, it's just, just like that's the beginning. Like that's the very start. Like everyone thinks it's so much, so hard at the start before, and then once you get the manager, it must be so lucky. Like no, when the management and the and the record label come in, like that's when you really start to have to work. Yeah. And it's like, because it's everyone's clawing at this to be like to fight through the noise. It's all about the performance for me. It's always a performance. How would you describe what it feels like to perform? Oh, it's just a drug. It's like any other drug. I mean, that's the, that's the other thing is people are just looking for an escape. Like, whether it be drugs or sex, religion, all of that, I think people are just looking to escape. And for me, performing is like that escape. I get to just, I feel like I get to be completely who I, myself whilst also getting to be completely who I want to be. So it's like both, you know, it's both the realest form of me, but also a thing, you know, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's fun, it's just, but it's just the best drug ever. Yeah. And like knowing that you've made a memory for someone. Yeah. Like I remember going to Mumford and Sons and like, like watching them live or seeing Gang of Youths live. And I just like cool memory for me. Yeah, the UK festival scene like changed my life because like I was in a tiny town in Australia yeah. and I watched Mumford and Sons The Cave live at Tea in the Park 2010. And the crowd is so loud that Marcus breaks and laughs because it's so loud. And I remember that being the moment that like changed my life. And I was like, that's what I want. That's, that's, that's what I want. Like I was like 15 years old, I was like, that's what I want. Anyway. Turns out, like, so I did my first American tour. Me and my me and my guitarist are drunk as skunks in our apartment in, in Brooklyn. And he's like, I tell him that's the moment that changed my life. And he said, no fucking way. And I was like, what? And he goes, I was three rows back from the front row and that changed my life. And I was like, oh my God, we're about to be together. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, we're gonna be, we're gonna be the biggest band ever. That's just proof. That's just proof that I give the best piece of advice I ever got was when I was making my first EP in Nashville and the guy... You've been everywhere. Hey? You've been everywhere. With music, <laughs> yeah, right? it's been a, been a fun life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this producer, this guy, Chuck Cannon, he was telling me that Keith Urban was in there and then like all these other famous artists had just been in there in the studio. And I was like, I think I was eight, 19 and I was really insecure. Instantly, you're like, oh, fuck. So then you name drop. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I, I once played with Mumford and Sons, and they're, they're all right. And he just stopped, and, like, looked at me. It was like, in this southern drawl, was like, you know, Harry, it's really cool if you've done something that's cool. It's a lot cooler if people find out for themselves. <laughs> and I was like, instantly humbled. I was like, oh, my God. Best piece of advice I've ever learned, though. It's a lot cooler if people find out for themselves, you know? I was a full-time street performer and musician 
um, living my dream, truly. Um, and I don't know if you guys heard about what happened. There was a global pandemic, live music was made illegal, and I lost my job. Football wasn't for some reason. Anyway, I'm not bitter about that, I promise. So, when things opened back up again, live music was still illegal in venues. Football still wasn't. Anyway, I told myself I wasn't going to get mad. Um, so I got the only job that I could get. Um, I became a bartender. <laughs> Lockdown part two, I lost that job. Then I was a landscaper. They went bankrupt because of the, of the pandemic, so I lost that job. Then I was a construction worker. I was just about everything other than what I think I was put on this rock to do which is make music and share it with wonderful audiences like yourself. You can help out by following me online, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, all of that, at Harry Marshall Music. That username again is at Harry Marshall Music. Thank you for listening. Hit that subscribe button if you want more Good, Bad, Bad. See you next time.